Hello and thank you for logging on to the Memory Gauge, your new favourite Digimon card game podcast. I'm your host, Connor, and today we are taking a close look at deck archetypes. These are broad categories that all kinds of decks can be sorted into based on their construction and their game plan, and understanding these archetypes and how they work can help us become better players. So we're going to take a look at that, but first we need to take a look at the state of the meta. We are now well into the season of EX2 Digital Hazard, and the results we are seeing have been interesting, is the word. EX2 doesn't appear to have had a huge impact on the top end of the meta. We're seeing EX2 cards get played, but they tend to be as tech inclusions in otherwise established decks, rather than seeing EX2 specific decks uh, being played and winning events. Uh, far and away, the winner this past week among the results we've collected from DigimonMeta.com is Blue Hybrid. So this deck has had something of a resurgence. It kind of dropped off a bit, but now it's back. It's using cards like Offensive Plugin A for extra security checks to sort of close out games. Labramon from EX2. So it's bringing in some EX2 cards um, into an, what is otherwise a pretty classic Blue Hybrid deck list. Um, whether these results that we're seeing posted is because of the strength of that deck or it's just because there's been a lack of major events in the past week and people know that that works, I can't really say, but it's worth taking note of. This is something that you're going to probably see. And finally, before we get to our main topic, I've finally been able to get my hands on some EX2 Digital Hazard, so it's time for another box opening stream. This Friday, the 22nd of July, at 7pm Eastern Time, which is Saturday, July 23rd at 9am, for my Oceanic friends, I will be live on twitch.tv slash EFMG, opening a booster box of Digital Hazard. Will I be able to pull a Gallant Mon? Past performance says no, so make sure to tune in and find out if we can finally break the Gallant Mon curse. Also, I'm going to be giving away the contents of a randomly selected booster pack to one lucky viewer, as well as talking about everything in the new set. It's going to be a blast, so make sure that you are tuned in Friday, July 22nd, 7pm Eastern Time, or Saturday, July 23rd, 9am Australian Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv slash EFMG. The link will be in the show notes, and I will see you there. Now, for our main topic today, we are taking a look at some deck archetypes. And when I say that, I have used that in the past to mean things like uh, specific decks, like Jessmon or Blue Hybrid. But today, we're taking a broader view. So, in a lot of trading card games, there are some established deck archetypes that are sort of broad categories under which most decks kind of fall either into one of them neatly or amongst sort of a couple of them. The reason that these are useful is because they help us to understand what a given deck is trying to do, even though we might not necessarily know the ins and outs of the specific card list, which helps us to play against it better 
or helps us to build it better for ourselves and understand what it is we're actually trying to do. So today we're going to go through a few of these broad archetypes. We're going to talk about what it is they try to do, what's their game plan. We're going to talk about what colors in the Digimon card game tend to play in that archetype space. We'll talk about the strengths of each archetype, and then we're going to talk about each of the weaknesses. If you're somebody who's been into trading card games, you'll probably have learned already a lot of these terms. We're going to talk about things like aggro decks, control decks, combo decks, that sort of thing. But it's still useful to listen up and hear how those actually apply to the Digimon card game because I haven't seen much in-depth discussion about exactly what those terms mean. And if you're new to trading card games, then this is going to be a really good intro to what these terms actually mean because you're going to hear them a lot and you hear people throw them around so it's nice to know exactly what people are talking about when they're using this kind of jargon so we got to kick it off with aggro decks so aggro is kind of short for aggressive and aggro decks are aggressive they want to damage their opponents early they want to do as much damage as possible aggro decks tend to play a much faster game than other types of deck they want to close out the game in the first few turns rather than having the game run long. Aggro decks will often play a rush strategy. They get lots of small attackers on the board quickly, or they might try to power up into one big attacker as quickly as possible, especially in Digimon, and then swing for multiple checks. So in terms of colors, aggro decks can be found in a lot of colors. All of these archetypes can be found in a lot of colors, and you can build each color in sort of all of these ways, but some colors tend to lean naturally into one archetype or another. So aggro can be found in red. Red can swing for multiple checks very quickly. You've got cards like Promo Greymon, which is a level four that has security attack plus one when it's got an Agumon beneath it. And then red is also very capable of quickly building a Digimon stack that can swing for two, three, or even four checks. So it does a lot of damage and it can do it very quickly. And then black can also be an aggro color, particularly with things like the D Brigade archetype, because D Brigade plays a lot of low to the ground, level 3 Commandramon, and is happy to attack with them and have them be deleted by security checks because often they'll just get them back. So D-Brigade can be very aggro. Aggro decks of the Rush variety generally don't mind losing their Digimon to checks because so long as they're getting the damage, they are happy. Aggro decks play very quickly, and that's one of their biggest strengths. When you're playing against an aggro deck, if you take too long to get your own game plan going, or you take too long to interact with their Digimon and get them off the field, you are almost certainly going to lose that game. And it's for this reason, generally speaking, aggro tends to have an advantage over slower decks like Control, which take a while to get going, although of course there are exceptions. The ability to play a really quick game is aggro's biggest strength, but it also ties into aggro's biggest weakness. That is, as the game goes longer, aggro becomes much less likely to pull out a victory. Aggro tends to lose a lot of its Digimon to security checks because it's attacking with weaker Digimon earlier, and it becomes harder and harder for an aggro deck to kind of refill their hand and re-establish that pressure and board state the longer a game goes on and the more resources they expend. Aggro especially struggles against recovery-heavy decks because those decks tend to really stretch out the length of a game. Next, we have Control. And just like it sounds, Control wants to control 
the game. So control decks are going to have plenty of ways to interact with their opponent and their Digimon and remove threats on the opponent's board. Control decks want to slow the game down because they have an advantage the longer the game goes on. They're going to keep removing their opponent's Digimon until eventually their opponent runs out of resources, at which point the control deck will close out the game. Yellow Hybrid is a good recent example of a control deck because it plays primarily a lot of tamers, so it avoids having its resources on board be removed, and then it either slows down the game with lots of recovery effects, or it can efficiently remove the opponent's threats with cards like Rapidmon and Shine Greymon, which for one card expended by the control deck deletes a lot of cards on the opponent's side, and control decks really love cards that remove more than one of your opponent's cards, you want to end up on resources. So if you expend one resource to remove two of your opponent's resources, you end up ahead. That is the space that Control loves to play in. And then we have Blue Hybrid, which is kind of another Control deck because it freezes your opponent's Digimon in place until you can chip in enough damage to win the game. So while it might not actually remove the threat from the board, it does stop it from being able to attack you, which for Blue Hybrid's purposes accomplishes the same thing. In terms of colours, yellow is a big control colour with its recovery effects, and then its powerful removal effects with DP reduction. Yellow has cards like Rapidmon, Shine Greymon, and Spiral Masquerade, which are single cards that remove numerous threats at once, and then it has, of course, those recovery effects to stretch out the game. Blue is also a colour that lends itself to control because blue has cards like Hammer Spark and lots of memory gain effects so that it can make more plays in a turn than their opponent which helps it to kind of stay ahead on resources. It can remove Digivolution cards which is really weakening your opponent's Digimon or that combines with other effects and just stops them from being able to attack entirely which effectively removes your opponent's Digimon. So control decks are really good in the late game. If you're not able to close out a game against a control deck really quickly, you're likely to struggle. Control decks exceed at that sort of resource management game. They expend fewer resources than the opponent, and it can be really hard to keep a threat on the board against a control deck. So if your deck is dependent on one or two key cards, a control deck will have the advantage because it can just remove them, and then you're really, like, without those key cards, you might struggle. But the weakness of the control deck is the early game. It takes a bit of time for a control deck to chip away at the opponent's security and chip away at their resources. So the quicker the opponent, the more difficult it is. The best control decks can compensate for this with either a lot of recovery or effects like TK Takaishi or Kari Kamiya, which give you a lot of memory when you have fewer security than your opponent, so you get more resources quicker. And then another strategy for playing against Control is limiting the amount of damage that they can do. You don't overcommit to the board. Control thrives on removing two or more of your cards for one of theirs. So if you can keep them to exchanging one for one, they're not going to get ahead on resources and they're not going to outvalue you over the course of the game. Try to build up to a situation where you can either take out their whole security in one or two turns so they don't have a chance to respond to your push for game. Next we have Combo. Now Combo as an archetype I find isn't as prevalent in Digimon as it might be in other card games. I think that's because of the memory gauge uh, gameplay element which sort of limits how many resources you can expend on a turn to a set number. But it is definitely still represented. Combo decks are used, are built to use a specific combination of one or two or more, of two or more cards 
to create an interaction that either leads to a win or it leads to a game state that's most likely going to lead to a win on the next turn. The biggest example of combo at the moment would probably be the loop decks like Lilithmon Loop. Lilithmon Loop uses a combination of Lilithmon's effect, which returns option cards to your hand, uh, Jack Raid's memory gain, Digivolution cost reduces like win rate 60%, and then Omnimon's Wart to create an interaction that kind of feeds into itself. You're playing option cards over and over again, gaining a lot of memory, digivolving, bringing stuff back from the trash. And then that will either win the game outright right there if they get lucky, or it will set them up to win on the next turn and there's not much you can do to interact with their board at that point because they've got so much value from that combo. By my evaluation, purple is the main color for combo decks in Digimon, and a big part of that is that um, the, the combo cards Lilithmon and Jack Raid are both purple, but mostly that's because purple is the color that most allows you to play Digimon cards and option cards from your trash, so there's the potential there to reuse an effect multiple times and then get a large amount of value from a single card or a single interaction, which is kind of the core of combo. Combos tend to be at their most powerful, not when it's just one strong interaction, but when it's an interaction that allows you to repeat it multiple times. If you can use a couple of cards and use them just over and over again, that's the core of a really powerful combo. Uh, combo decks need one specific interaction to achieve their win. They're built around a combo. So this is a major advantage because it means that the rest of the deck space could just be devoted to making that combo happen as quickly and effectively as possible. So combo decks are going to draw a lot of cards really quickly so they can find the pieces they need so they can be fast and consistent. And you need to either find a way to stop that combo from working, which either needs niche cards like Avenge Kidmon that just aren't good against any other matchup, or you need to mitigate the damage that the combo is going to do to you, or simply win before they get a chance to assemble their combo. The big weakness of the combo deck is a lack of flexibility, so the deck's going to be able to pull off its combo very efficiently and very consistently, but if anything messes with that game plan, then most combo decks are going to find it very difficult to pivot into a secondary strategy because those decks tend to be so fine-tuned to make that one combo work. And then there's also the danger that while you're setting up for your combo, you leave yourself vulnerable to just getting taken out out of nowhere because you're committed to finding the combo pieces and you're not building up aboard. Next we have Midrange, and Midrange as a deck archetype is one of the hardest to pin down, at least for me. It exists in kind of this space between other deck archetypes, because Midrange decks tend to be slower than aggro decks, they play bigger Digimon and they take longer to set up, but they're faster and more proactive than control decks. Midrange decks are far more flexible than either of those archetypes, but it's at the cost of being kind of a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none. So all colours have some capacity to be midrange. Red can be a good midrange colour. The red version of BT8 Black War Greymon as a deck is kind of an example in my mind of a decent recent midrange deck. It doesn't rush up to a big stack or attack very quickly, but then it also doesn't overtly control the board. It's just playing good sort of middle to the road Digimon, removing things as it goes, building up to that Black War Greymon stack, and then just kind of attacking from there to win the game. So it's very 
middle of the road. Green can also play in that mid-range space. It's got the ability to quickly digivolve up into bigger threats, but then it also has that ability to hold back and react to the board state. That's kind of the flexibility we're talking about when we talk about mid-range. So mid-range's flexibility, that's a big part of its strength because mid-range is not as vulnerable to aggro as a control deck would be because mid-range can pivot its own game plan and be faster and more aggressive to compensate. But then mid-range decks can also play a more reactive game against control decks so they can kind of go a bit back and forth and play whatever the game is that their opponent is going to be weak to but unfortunately mid-range's weakness is it's not as aggressive as aggro and it's not as controlling as control it plays in that flexible space but it's not as strong at either of those strategies when you commit to them. So not only that, but mid-range players also need to be really aware of their opponent's deck because more so than any of those other archetypes we've talked about, the way that mid-range players need to pilot their deck is very dependent on what the opponent is playing. So they need to be a little bit reactive and really make sure that they know what to do when they come up against certain matchups, which takes a lot of effort and can be very difficult. So mid-range decks tend to be, at least by my estimation, and I admit that I am not, don't have perfect knowledge, they tend to be a bit harder to pilot than maybe some of the other decks, or at least not as straightforward, I should say. And then finally, I wanted to touch on an archetype that I think stands alongside these others, but it's also somewhat unique to the Digimon card game. That's OTK. So OTK stands for one turn kill, and OTK decks want to do just that. They want to kill the opponent and win the game in one turn. So this is accomplished with a slow setup, where they will build up a singular, perfect stack with the aim to perform enough security checks in one attack or one series of attacks to close out the game in one turn and not give the opponent a chance to respond. So this can take time to set up, and it often revolves around having a specific card or set of cards, but it can be very hard to interact with. Historically, OTK decks have primarily been the province of green, which has a number of effects to unsuspend its own Digimon and then give them extra security checks, enabling a single Digimon to check the opponent's entire security. We have Grand Kuwagamon OTK as a great example of this. Combining Grand Kuwagamon's ability to Digiburst and then give itself up to two extra security attacks with the Palmon Promo's ability to give it jamming so it survives those checks, and then Chaosmon's ability to unsuspend that stack and swing again either to clear the rest of the security or just take the game there. Red also has some OTK capacity. It's a kind of different kind because in this case it builds one single stack that just has enough extra security checks to check all of the opponent's security in a single swing and then protect it with effects like a delicate plan to turn off option cards. The OTK deck can be fairly uninteractive, which is one of its great strengths. It builds this perfect stack in the raising area, which keeps it safe from interruption by the opponent. That means that the OTK deck, when it's left to its own devices, can be really dangerous. But the weakness of the OTK deck can be speed. It takes time to build that perfect OTK stack. And then the other weakness is recovery. The OTK deck is often finely tuned to take out five security in one turn. So if you're able to recover up to six or seven security, it kind of throws off the math and really puts a wrench in the game plan. They're going to have to do a lot more work to take out those extra security. And that's where you can close out the game. So now that we know what these different deck archetypes are and how they try to win, but how can we use this knowledge to our advantage? 
Well, knowing these core deck archetypes can help us to quickly assess an opponent's deck and form a counter strategy on the fly. For example, if your opponent is attacking you early with low level Digimon, it's likely that you're playing against an aggro deck and you know then that your goal is going to be either to try to slow the game down and weather their onslaught until they run out of resources or speed up your own game plan and try to take them out first. If your opponent spends the first few turns just kind of playing tamers, playing some sort of, some of those, um, really annoying level threes that have ongoing effects, developing their board but not swinging, that's when you might be playing against a control deck and you know that either you need to attack quickly before they can just lock you out, or you need to play conservatively and then force them to use their removal effects in unfavorable trades and not fall into the trap of allowing them to out-resource you. This is all really in-depth and probably a bit complicated, but the crux of it is knowing that these broad archetypes uh Knowing them can lead us to make better gameplay decisions when we might not otherwise know what a given deck is trying to do because it can be hard to know all the decks in the format. But if you just know these archetypes, you're going to kind of know what these decks are trying to do on the fly. And it also helps us to understand our own decks better as well, which is always going to lead to better gameplay. So hopefully this has been helpful and helped to explain to you what all of these uh weird TCG specific terminologies are and hopefully you could use this knowledge to sort of develop your own game and your own knowledge of the game and maybe do just that little bit better the next time you play or have that understanding that I find makes the game a lot more fun. But you have heard enough from me. Now I would like to hear from you. Our listener question of the week is which of these deck archetypes is your favorite to play with and why? Are you an aggro player, a control player? Do you prefer the flexibility of mid-range, the fun fireworks of assembling the perfect combo? Are you an OTK player? I would love to hear about it. If you have an answer to our listener question or if you have any questions, feedback, comments or concerns, you can email me at memorygagepodcast at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group, Memory Gauge Podcast. You can tweet at me at Connor EFMG, or you can join our growing Discord server. All the links to that will be in the show notes of this episode, and I am always happy to hear from you listeners. Make sure you follow us on your podcast service of choice because episodes of this show come out each and every week, so you want to make sure you're following us to stay up to date and If your podcast service of choice allows you to do so, please consider rating and reviewing the show. It really helps us out and it helps people to find us who might want to listen to us. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Memory Gauge, logging out.